Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. It's all about the rock and roll today. Classic Album Clash returns with an amazing battle between two 80s Aerosmith classics, Permanent Vacation and Pump. And I got the guys from Pot of Thunder returning to help determine which Aerosmith album comes out on top. Uh, the Garlic Dragon, Nick, uh, your buddy Andy, America's little brother, and of course the mysterious breakout star of the podcast realm, Chris L., are back to do the usual album cover comparisons analyze the production uh, and songwriting, and of course take part in the infamous song-by-song song breakdown. And like with all the classic album clashes, we've got some great stories and trivia to share, and a lot of ridiculousness that may or not involve, may or may not involve Macaulay Culkin, actor and comedian Tyler Perry, the Harold and Kumar movies, classic 80s mixtape, and a couple of broken hearts. One of them may or may not have been mine. So let's get to the classic album clash, Aerosmith edition, right now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so uh, every time I come to Chicago, one of my favorite things to do is uh, hang out with the fine uh, gents from Pot of Thunder, uh, Nick, Andy, and the illustrious and mysterious Chris L. And I usually do their show, which is called Pot of Thunder, and um, I figured it was time for them to stop being so selfish mm-hmm. and bring it on back over here to talk as Jericho. They were here last time when we did Kiss Alive versus Kiss Alive 2, which was a very monumental show. And uh, we're going to continue uh, doing the classic album Clash with uh, with Aerosmith. Yes, thanks for having us back. No, but how did this come up with the Aerosmith again? What are we doing? We're huge fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, originally we were supposed to have Charlie from Anthrax join us. Yep. And we said, what's your favorite bands? And he listed like Depeche Mode and The Cure and Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith. And I was like, oh. And then we were thinking, what Aerosmith song should we do? Mm-hmm. And then we came up with doing like an 80s one, and I pitched it to him, and he's like, I don't really know 80s Aerosmith. So. Yeah, and you, you gave him a migraine with that. And that's <laughs> he, he ran. We heard of him. He ran screaming. So, <laughs> Nat, uh, any normal person would have assumed it would be toys versus rocks. It's not how we rolled. No. Though. Why, why, you know why I mean? do the obvious? Right. And we were always into the 80s versions of bands, and Aerosmith is one of those bands, much like Kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, ZZ Top, Van Halen, that kind of reinvented themselves for the time and, dare I say, became way bigger in the 80s than they ever were in the 70s? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I think, I think that's accurate. Yeah. That's when they crossed over to right. pop, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like the, I guess you'd say real hair metal. Mm, that's, right? Yeah. Kind of that glammy, mm-hmm. the, the Desmond Child. We all know Desmond from, from the stuff he would kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I think when... We ever do we we do these shows? We talk about wh- when did you first hear this record, hear this band, and I'll start because I remember you uh, hearing about Aerosmith, and I had one video that was from when uh, Joe Perry had left. It was called Lightning Strikes. Mm-hmm. So it's Aerosmith with two other guitar players. Yeah. So I was never really into Aerosmith, uh, and then of course when you started hearing, I think it was Dude Looks Like a Lady was the first one, and then realized because the radio stations gave him a big push at the time frame and that's kind of when i got into aerosmith from this era on how about you nick um i definitely got into them this era on i actually brought along even though we can't play it on anything my original Cassettes, cassette yeah. from I had back this then too. and uh unfortunately i dropped it because uh on the jewel case it had aerosmith logo in yellow what printed on the plastic printed on the, on, the pla- on the actual jewel case and i dropped it like the first day i had oh so this is a different no this is well it's a different jewel case right. unfortunately so i'm still mourning the loss it's of so that. weird holding a cassette in in right. my hand like i used to have all cassettes right and it just seems so like 
a relic from the past. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense no. at all whatsoever. <laughs> and um, um, also uh, MTV, big MTV kid growing up. Dude mm-hmm. looks like a lady. Huge. Um, huge. Um, wanted to wanted to mimic it on stage for the talent show in second grade. <laughs> nice. My older brother, Jay, who's behind me right now, talked me out of it because of all, all the references to do me, do me, do me all night. <laughs> Figured it wasn't a good idea. It's a for- rare moment of responsibility from Jay, our brother. <laughs> is, Jay, is Jay the oldest? Yes. So we have a triple dose of Jones Brothers bullshit today. Yes, yes. you do. That, Chris L is happy that I'm here to help you uh, cut yeah. through the, the shit. The Chris is versus the Jones. That's right. You're well, going to need another Chris. Well, as we established the last time we did this, <laughs> that you're actually my brother. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. Stepbrother, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah we're the, trying to... Illegitimate just, brother. Right. Matt, get that DNA lineage uh, proven <laughs> so I can uh, start tapping into that income stream. Well, I mean, the, re- the resemblance is uncanny. So. Yeah, it is. <laughs> if you guys didn't hear the one we did on Pot of Thunder for, uh, was it Billy Squire? Yeah, Rock Me Tonight. Rock Me Tonight. And th- that was Ted Irvin's debut in Pot of Thunder. Never had seen Billy Squire or heard of him. And it was just one of the best shows. So funny. It was an awesome one. <laughs> Great times. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Uh uh, well, growing up in uh, Detroit in the 70s, uh, oh, wow, right. obviously Aerosmith was constantly on album-oriented rock radio, uh, all the stations. Um, so, I mean, I definitely got my fill of of them on the radio, um, which is why I didn't really own too many of their albums. I could hear their music whenever I wanted on the radio. It, interesting, interestingly enough, the two... Aerosmith albums, the only two I've ever owned, are Rock in a Hard Place. Thanks mainly to Lightning Strikes. Right. I still say that's yeah. the toughest riff they've ever put it's out. It's a great it's song. It's a great song. Yeah, I, yeah. I had no idea seeing the video that that wasn't the real Aerosmith. I, I didn't care. Right. That's such an ass-kicking song. Yeah. It's so great. And then Permanent Vacation because... I too was drawn in by Dude Look Like Dude Looks Like a Lady. Mm. Great tune and they were clearly invigorated from the Run DMC. Mm-hmm. That's um, right, because the Run DMC. That's what really put them back on the map. Because they reunited about 85. With the Dunmouth Mirrors. Dunmouth Mirrors. Yeah. And then they did the Run DMC thing, which put them on the map. Yeah, and then they took that ball and ran with it. So, right, so those are the only two uh, Aerosmith albums I've ever owned. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely appreciate them as the American Stones, as they're... And I, I'm the same. The only Aerosmith ones I own are the, this era. Permanent Vacation Pump, Get a Grip, and the next one, which wasn't very good. It was called uh, Joy. Just Push Just Play. Push Play. Yeah. How about you, Andy? Well, tagging on to Nick's story, because um, Nick's my older brother. He's three years older. Um, got into Aerosmith from watching MTV, just like pretty much everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like Aerosmith as much as Nick. So once he got the tapes, I would kind of like wander out of the room when he put them on. <laughs> so I think I liked a couple of the videos, but like whole cassette, you know, the whole album, I was like, eh, not into it. Well, they really embraced the video side of things too. Yeah. And I would have to say, knowing what I know about Aerosmith now, that was probably all Steven Tyler, mm-hmm. who's very much the control freak of the band. He has, from what I hear, uh, an actual mic that the techs can hear during live shows saying, Turn the bass down. Turn the lights up. Do this. Do that. Hit the symbol over here. Really? He very much runs the show in that respect. Hmm. And on the videos um, topic there, I I remember seeing something years and years ago on MTV where it's, yeah, they had these great videos. They were in constant rotation. But I remember seeing an interview where Steven Tyler was 
was kind of lamenting the fact that they even had to do them at this point in mm. time because you know back in the day when they started that wasn't part of the business right but um he 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 was explaining it as when you hear a song you should kind of have your own mental image yeah. of what's going on there you you should kind of develop that that's your responsibility and yeah, now we have then, to do it for you but then he got the chance to jam his tongue down a woman's throat in the ragdoll <laughs> video and then have those two bikini chicks doing their thing and loving an elevator right. uh, suddenly your own mental picture out the window <laughs> nobody cares about that this is what we want to see, because if, and this is what we want to it, do. It wasn't going to be that. I mean, no, it wasn't going to be that. Because you remember, we, we keep talking about lightning strikes. You remember the video for that? Yeah. They were like in a 50s street gang. No, right, no exactly. chicks in that one. So he's yeah. probably like, I hate a, this. A reenactment <laughs> of the Lords of Flatbush is not what I want to see. Especially when uh, something like Hot Girls in Love is coming next. Right. It's like, that video's better than lightning Yes, strikes. they really figured it out. Because once again, too, you talk about Aerosmith. They're, they're like, not like Cheap Trick. Two good-looking guys, and well, in this case, three kind of nondescript, borderline ugly guys. Yeah, yeah. So it's all based around you know the Mick and Keith of the band, which sure. of course is, is Joe Perry and, and, and Steven. Did you guys go to any Aerosmith gigs around this time frame? Not me. Uh, not this time frame. The one time I saw them, we were before we started rolling. We were discussing like some of their opening acts. Yeah. Must have been ninety seven or ninety eight when I saw them. Mm. So I guess after this era that we're discussing yeah. specifically on this episode. But one of the main draws for me was the opening act, which was Monster Magnet. Mm. That Aerosmith crowd did not know what to make <laughs> yeah, of those right, guys, right. man. They're you know, second coming of the like a like a space rock stooges. I mean yeah, this yeah, yeah. Aerosmith crowd coming to hear crying and yeah, all that stuff. They didn't know what the hell. And when I saw it was was a great mix. It was Skid Row, and like I said, I think it might have been Bon Jovi. I could be wrong about that. It wasn't Bon Jovi, but 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 like Skid Row and Aerosmith. That's a great film. sure, yeah. yeah, that fits perfectly. You know, it was probably something lame like White Lion and Aerosmith, probably in '87. Yeah, White Lion had every tour in Winnipeg. Chris saw White Lion by on their own headlining. Not really? headlining. I saw them on a bill with Vixen and Ozzy. Oh, that's what it was. No okay. rest for the wicked. Dude. That was the bill. It was uh, Vixen, White Lion, Ozzy. Good lord, that's one of those ones where if I was an Ozzy, well, I am an Ozzy fanatic. I'd be like this. Sucks. Vixen was actually pretty good. White Lion, complete yeah. crap. Just yeah. wussified. They, garbage. they, like I said, they. As a matter of fact, I'm, I, I know for sure. I think they opened for Aerosmith on the uh, permanent vacation. Then they came back and opened for ACDC. Oh, terrible. Worst wow. call ever. That's, Get them out. I Run them man. off the yeah. stage. Well, let me ask you this. Here, here, here's the other one. Uh, Queensryche Rage for Order era, opening for ACDC and the Who Made Who tour. And then fast forward to White Lion and Aerosmith. Which would be a worse mix? White Lion and ACDC? Oh, sorry. Or White Lion, ACDC, or Queensryche and ACDC? Well, White Lion, yeah, for sure. At least Queensryche so. had some balls to them but i know. get why you would ask that question Some fortitude but they, yeah it was like you know queensrike is like thinking man's yeah. metal whereas yeah. acdc comes directly from the groin yeah. like right. queensrike rush would make sense yeah, as sure. far as fan base goes. but that's what i'm saying when it's raised for order queensrike when they had like the makeup and the you know the costumes and they walk out with angus young it didn't really quite yeah. fit but um, and like I was saying too, like Steven Tyler, great frontman, one of the greatest rock and roll frontmen ever. Mm-hmm. Rest of the guys, not doing a whole hell of a lot on stage. Mm. But no, yeah, we're looking at no. pictures. There's a slideshow behind you with and a lot of photos. And Steven, Steven's dialed in, but uh, 
everyone else just well, and, and I was I would say Joey Kramer is in the the number two spot as far as because he's jacked the up mo- on the most Joey's lively and most animated he's jacked up on Joey's rock and coffee that's why <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, the, the two records in question uh, like we mentioned permanent vacation which was uh, August of 1987 mm-hmm. released and um, pump which came out September 89 so about two years later starting this huge Aerosmith resurgence and we always like to talk first and foremost about the uh, about the covers so we got permanent vacation which is the classic Aerosmith logo uh, over top of some strange like a shirt that someone well, would have like a Hawaiian shirt maybe in yeah. the in the liner notes it says tattoo art so I think it's supposed to be like vintage tattoo shop designs oh. that's what that background's supposed to be but then it's just done in all red but it's gotcha. like you know whatever well, like what does world... it have to do with a permanent vacation oh i have no yeah. idea well i don't right. know if but i just i just opened up uh get a great picture there. of 87 Aerosmith in jail maybe yeah. that's the permanent vacation well are they, are they on death row like, I, or maybe permanent. they just got life i don't know and i'm looking no at parole. it though and like you said joe perry steven tyler hot tom johannesburg whatever his name is <laughs> <laughs> we'll Tom go with Ham- that. Tom Hamilton. Tom Hamilton, Brad Whitford, and uh, Joey uh, are not hot. No, not that's, that's definitely not. I think maybe yeah. that's what is. This sounds weird to say this as a heterosexual male, but I think as a kid, I was like, these dudes are ugly. I don't like this band. Well, yeah. I, I I didn't like Black Sabbath for the same reason because I didn't like guys with mustaches in yeah. rock and roll, and they got and they had two. Yeah, Geezer Butler and Tony. Hamilton. I don't like mustaches. Yeah. I, I don't like Black Sabbath. Yeah, I only allow one. I'm a Scorpions fan. That's it. <laughs> one Rudy, and, and, it's gotta and be that's a, it. And it can't be a, a Tony Iommi no. mustache. No, that doesn't work. Gigantic mustache. Iommi is the best. Iommi. Oh my gosh. Well, um, now, but when you're a kid, it's yeah, like that's it, not it cool. So you didn't like ugly. No, no, it bothered me. I didn't right. care for it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, think it's a good or, thing you didn't follow them in the 70s. I mean, they were just destroyed. And Steven Tyler, too, is a lot like Mick Jagger. When you first see him and go, oh, my gosh, this guy's super ugly. But then he's got a charisma. He does. Oh, yeah. He is a pretty good looking guy. Yeah. Even though now he looks like I saw a great picture the other day because uh, he wears his hair kind of in a bun. Oh, and yeah. it's kind of got the, the, the white stripe yeah, in it and right. stuff. And it says Steven Tyler looks like that fun aunt your friend's aunt that would let you drink at parties <laughs> that's awesome i think I, I don't know tom hamilton might be he, he's in the middle well, he had blonde say. hair so yeah the other cover is pump uh which is actually really kind of cool it's two old cars and one's on top of the other one like he's pumped like the car's pumping it from behind is that what it is i, I kind of yeah that makes sense i just never sexual in you or if you want to do the bod scott thing it's really about pumping gas into the cars, maybe. But okay, you know. okay. But why is one little? Well, I guess it's a little, uh, it's <laughs> little a, guy. Yeah, a little little guy from behind. Okay, pump, pumping hey. you from behind. Some little dude. That happens. <laughs> maybe a little, a little person. Uh, maybe some kind of midget porn or something. Dudes of all sizes are welcome. And this uh, this <laughs> picture is much more of a beefcake picture with kind of a, the Joe yeah. Perry. Oh yeah, uh, the arms are out. Yeah, look at that vest that he's wearing. But the things you see the first is Joe Perry and then Brad Whitford. That's hot and definitely not. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. So they put some time into this picture. You can hardly see Steven Tyler. It's terrible. Brad Whitford looks like he should have been on Whose Line Is It Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Whitford's like Arn Anderson. He looked old even when he was young. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did. Right? Yeah, he, yeah, he never ever had this. No. Had a hot period. No. Um, <laughs> Still coming. All right, uh, Chris L. Uh, possible rant alert. Both albums produced by Bruce Fairbairn. 
I, I got no problem with his production for okay, Aerosmith. Th- what he did with Kiss is an abomination. Oh, the Psycho Circus. But, uh, I mean, clearly he had a, played a big part in the band's resurrection. I mean, these, these albums sound great. Um, for this show, I revisited them, and like I said, I owned Permanent Vacation. Listening to it again, it's better than I remember it being. Right. And then Pump, I never owned it, but you know the the singles were all over MTV. And then I got into the deep cuts, uh, preparing for this episode, and that's another excellent album. Well, I got the, no qualms with either of them. And the thing is, too, Bruce Fairbairn was the kind of mentor. It's, it's so small trying to read this in the cassette, but his mentor, uh, Bob Rock, was his mentor. So yeah. Bob Rock mixed, engineered, engineered yeah. worked on all of these records, which is how Bob became Bob Rock as well. So mm-hmm. Bruce Fairbairn not only uh, did a great job producing himself, but also kind of begat um, Bob Rock. Yes, which he is, did. Which is very cool. As Fellow well. Canadian. Correct. Absolutely, from Vancouver. And these all these records were at Clear Mountain Studios in Vancouver, yeah. including Psycho Circus, which you do not like. Lots of Bacchanalia going on in Vancouver, oh, sure. right? Strip I clubs. mean, Bon Jovi did Slippery when wet up there, didn't they? And the crew, also New Jersey. Crew did feel good up there. Yeah, you know, I mean, these that, guys did this record. Up, was, these records up here. So ground um, zero for hedonism. <laughs> Canadian version of <laughs> yeah, hey, right. it were all world version by all accounts. I mean, they all went there. Yeah, yeah, and then, all the most decadent bands of the day recorded. And there was a lot of strip clubs in downtown Vancouver. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend used to work at one. Oh yeah, the boys working. Girls used to dance at one. Was she the janitor? <laughs> no, she she uh, is one of those girls that broke, broke my heart in Calgary, then moved to Vancouver, and I suddenly just coincidentally, hey, guess what? I'm moving to Vancouver. She's like, uh, really? <laughs> yeah, we can, you know, see what happens and maybe go on a date. She's like, no, uh, no dates, no nothing. And I went and saw her once. And she just kept going west. Yeah, she went to the ocean. <laughs> yeah. It's fu- yeah. funny. Funny you mentioned that. I. In I, Russia, <laughs> I have a sad, broken heart tale re, re, relating to one of the uh, clashes here that will come out later. Okay. In well, and like I said, so we're going to do a little bit of creative licensing because permanent vacation, as you know, uh, classic album clash. We 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 stick to the rule that both albums have to have the same amount of tracks, and um, permanent has two, but one's a cover. I'm down by the Beatles, and one's just an instrumental called the movie. So we're going to drop those two off. So it's ten to ten. And we're going to flip-flop Angel um, with Permanent Vacation because we're going to do Angel versus What It Takes, the two big monster ballads of the record. So those are the rules. And uh, now we will go to the uh, much-anticipated song-by-song battle yes, and see which album really is better. Because the way I... Like you said, Chris, I remember uh, Pump being better than Permanent Vacation, but after listening to both of them, I think there's going to be some very interesting, uh, interesting um, uh, 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 battles here. So starts off Hearts Done Time uh, versus Young Lust, and I think Hearts Done Time is a Desmond Child joint, um, one of his many that he wrote uh, with Aerosmith at this time frame. And actually, I believe that it was Paul Stanley that Nick's um, confirming. Yes, true. Yeah, Joe Perry, Desmond Child. Okay, so Paul, I think Paul got them hooked up with Aerosmith. And a great Desmond Child story to tell as we move later on. But um, I'll start off. Hearts Done Time. Really love this song. And I actually suggested it to a couple of people to use as ring music. Really? Because it starts off with whales and it kind of builds. And then it's like... Mm-hmm. 
Uh, great opening track, and this is my favorite Aerosmith. Very groove, mm-hmm. powerful, and Steven Tyler's got that voice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Young Lust, Aerosmith, a lot like Kiss. Fast Aerosmith doesn't work. When they get in this Young Lust double bass, I don't ever want to hear uh, uh, Joy Kramer play double bass. It's not what Aerosmith does. So um, for me, uh, I got to go with uh, Hearts Done Time, one of my favorite from from all of these records, mm-hmm. um, and a great uh, ring music song for powerhouse Paul Laser, Ooh. a young uh, upstart who uh, needed a ring song, and I gave him that one back in about 91 in Calgary. It's <laughs> a good one. So there you go. Um, I'll go next. Um, Hearts Done Time is a fun little song mm-hmm. about a young man visiting a woman after her man goes to work at night, right? Mm. Which is a fun song until you get older and you get married and you have a job and then it becomes a lot less fun <laughs> thinking about what's going on. I don't like this song anymore. It used to be something. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, uh, no longer funny. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly it shakes you to the core. <laughs> but I'll take Hearts Done Time. I'm with you. Same thing. I like the groove of it more. And anytime there's the like the snare fill with Steven Tyler. Anytime that happens, I'm in. And I find Young Lust is kind of a mess of a song, too. There's no real hook. Um, it just goes all over the place. It, 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 to me, I remember when I had that record, I was like, this is not a good opening song, but I know why they used it, because it's fast. And it was the 80s. And you had to kick off your record with a fast song. Yep. What do you think, Nick? Uh, to what you were saying about uh, it being pretty fast, I actually uh, made a little note here that I really enjoyed when it went halftime, mm. half tempo. And uh, it just it had a really great groove at that point. It's just the breakdown after the initial... I mean, it, it was fast most of the song, and then it just kind of it went into yeah. like a half tempo yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of a groove kind of thing. And I really that kind of that got my attention as mm-hmm. far as okay, that was that was a really cool move for them to throw in there. I, I think it, you know, like there's some faster Aerosmith songs that could work. I can't think any off the top of my head, unfortunately. Not like yeah, not this. But uh, I mean, it's kind of like you know, like well, we did a lot of Kiss, and it's it's kind of like. Some of those uh, mid-80s, I know you're a huge fan, Yes, but uh, some of those mid-80s, uh, faster kind huge of... Huge fan, but not cut. of those ones. You know, no. We talk about Boomerang, it's just, just yeah. it's a mess. Yeah. They're not a, that type of a band. Yeah, I mean, I, not, I don't think everybody likes No, 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 or something right, like that. Right. I mean, it's, it's just some bands, that's not what they want. Um, and I've always liked Hearts Done Time, so I'm going to go with Hearts Done Time as well. Chris? Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, make it a clean sweep for Hearts Done Time. I will say that um, on both these cuts, the uh, lately much maligned Joey Kramer plays his ass off on both songs. Yeah. Uh, just great drumming on both. I'm giving the nod to Hearts Done Time because, like you you alluded to, uh, Chris, that... Uh, it, it harkens more to classic Aerosmith, that kind of groovy, sort of, uh, you know, slightly sloppy, yeah. almost going off the rails kind of rock vibe. And I mean, also, the another tipping point for me, uh, a little underappreciated, but that descending bass line by Tom Agreed. Hamilton, that boom, 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 where it drops down is yeah. really cool and also... Uh, harkens back to classic Aerosmith more than Young Lost does, and also to the um, the chorus on Hearthstone Time. It's classic 
Desmond Child. And, oh, yeah. Wow. That could be Bon Jovi. It could be any of the, the, the you know, Ricky, uh, what's his name? Ricky Martin. Martin, that sort of thing. Um, Guy man dude. What, what are we thinking about uh, the use of whale sounds? Whale sounds are pretty popular around this time frame. I, As uh, <laughs> Star Trek Four. The search for the future, where they're trying to transport the whales. Do you remember this? I vaguely do, but yeah, there's a big whale uh, Star Trek movie around the same time. So, or lots, lots of whale bad action. idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I'll say is the patience I have in 2020 is almost non-existent with the way you listen to music these days. Right, where it's like 30 seconds of like this soundscape building up to something. So <laughs> like, come on, get on with it already. Great but, point. But you know, if you put the album on. And you're going to sit down and listen to it. It's cool in context. But yeah, like when you're on shuffle on your phone driving somewhere, you're like, what is this shit? I'm a seconds. big proponent of, of the beginning of the album has to have something. Because in my mind, using the old Metallica Iron Maiden where you open with your album opener every time. Actually, the first two songs of their, of their set is always the first two yeah. songs of the record. So there has to be something going on to show that it's the opening of the, uh, of the record, in my opinion. Like something like this, like Hearts Done Time. Yeah, like yeah. I like the fact that it builds. Like you mentioned, if you just listen to it on shuffles, weird. But if you put on the new Aerosmith record, there's a yeah, there's yeah. some drama there. Yep. To, to get you into it. Right? Agreed. All right, so then we go to Magic Touch, um, Tyler Perry and uh, Jim Valance, and this is not Tyler Perry, the uh, uh, movie director. <laughs> This is Steven Tyler and, and Joe Perry. Just I, to, I wouldn't uh, mind hearing the D uh, sig magic touch. I'll, 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 I'll say it again. He's the closest thing we have to Charlie Chaplin these days. So. Well, how do you mean? Because uh, Jim Valens? I think we just <laughs> no Tyler Perry. <laughs> yeah, okay. You put Steven Tyler and Joe Perry as songwriting team, or the actual Tyler Perry? <laughs> the actual Tyler Perry. Okay. Why is he? Uh, why is he the modern day Charlie? Because Chaplin? he does it all. He's he he has his own studio, his own production right. studio. True story. Yeah, he owns, does everything. He, he owns writes everything. Story, writes everything. Directs. Produces, acts in yeah. everything. Yeah. All right. Well, shout out to uh, Tyler Perry if uh, <laughs> if he's listening. We uh, we appreciate your work. At least Nick does. Mm-hmm. I that have never seen anything uh, that he's done. Although I did get an offer to be in one of his Halloween movies. Oh, oh my God. And I couldn't do it because uh. I was going, to, I had to work or some stupid thing, but it's like, it, get to, I get an actual offer is hard. Yeah. It's like, oh, Not we'll an audition. audition or like, you know, we'll consider like calling me cold and I couldn't do the, ah, uh, oh, it's too bad. The, the, the media. You can Halloween. do boo, boo or boo two, which is, he's I up get, to two right now. Yeah. So. Well, maybe they have to do boo three. That would be fantastic. Look out world. Cause <laughs> here I come. <laughs> All right, Magic Touch, like we said, uh, versus F-I-N-E Fine, which is another Desmond Child joint. Tyler Perry and Desmond Child, F-I-N-E Fine. Uh, does anyone know what that stands for? I don't. I do. I noticed it on Google and I forgot it. It's but. up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So it's right. not fine. It's not fine, exactly. It's the opposite. F-I-N-E fine. It's like, yeah. yeah. Chris L., what do you think about these two? Uh, this was probably the closest... Uh, decision for me magic touch is great great but i've got to give the edge to f-i-n-e strictly because of the lyrics i mean especially the uh it's not even an allusion to it it's a straight up announcement of analingus toward the end of the <laughs> wow song. I mean, what does he say? Uh, let me find it. Sticking uh, his yeah. Yeah, uh, I shove my tongue right between your cheeks. 
I haven't made love now for 25 weeks. <laughs> I don't know. What, I, I, I always try to think of what the 25 is significant for. Does the 25 weeks mean something? Is that a reference to something? No, I, I've never heard that. Six months and one week. There you go. 25 weeks, right. It's just, it must be just a random thing. Because yeah. it, it rhymes. Cheeks. And Sounds good. 25, 25 weeks. I can't say 26 weeks. Stick my time in 12 weeks. It has to be da na a week. So it has to be like 25. Um, love, also, love the line. Uh, it's, it's, I got no rubbers, but it's yeah, raining right. all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a great using, line. Using the word rubbers mm-hmm. in a song, I mean, that's a way. <laughs> Well, and the and um, sonically, what goes on during that line is they have it. They, they have it sound kind of like the uh, quote unquote old timey. Oh yeah, kind of a vocal yeah. effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I mean, early on in my music listening career, maybe when I was maybe six or seven years old, I I established at that point that any song that speaks of analingus <laughs> is going to be an automatic winner for me, and. Uh, <laughs> And the, at the, that age, the, the, the you already rule, made that rule. I think I developed that rule listening to a Simon and Garfunkel album. I don't know how that happened, but I don't remember that. But, the, sound, um, the Sound of Analingus, I think. Yeah. It was released in isn't Germany. Analingus, isn't that an Alter Bridge song? Yeah, no, it's Metalingus. Okay. It's the Sound of Analingus. <laughs> at least that's how I heard it. Back yeah, yeah then. I think so. But, uh, but yeah, that, so sticking to my rule, F I N E wins. Love, uh, I'll jump in here. Love, you guys always have an appreciation for a good mama in a song oh, or, yeah. or announcing the band member's name. CC, mm-hmm. pick all, up that guitar. Like, stuff. Bruce. Yep. Uh, this has a great one. Uh, yep. it, 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 the, uh, you're all right. Even Tipper says, I'm all right. Tipper Gore. Got a lot of that. Even Joe Perry says, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. What a great line. Joe, it's not just Joe, it's Joe Perry. Yeah. Like, it's not like, hey, what's up, Ke- Mick? Keith? Or, uh, Mick? Tommy, that's a, that, or whatever the hell. Stephen Tyler seems to have like a great friendship with Joe Perry, but then Joe Perry always seems to kind of be so kind of he's Mister kind of cool and nonchalant all the time. Yeah, I think Joe's the problem. You think he's so? Got, he's got to be. Yeah. He's got. He's. It's unrequited. I, I I met Joe at the Golden Gods Awards. I used to host. He decided he wanted to be on the show like during the show. Hmm. So I think one of the bands was like the Black Dahlia Murder or something like that was playing. You get 20 minutes to play. So we ran down to the parking garage mm-hmm. where Joe showed up. And the, and the theme that was I was playing the heel host that year. Heel host. The heel, like the bad guy. Yeah. And the theme was everyone was calling me a douche. So I went down to say, Chris Jericho, I'm glad to have you. Would you mind calling me a douche on stage? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. So I'll just tell you when to do it. I'll give you the cues. Yeah, no problem. So he goes on stage to give out the award, and he starts talking about the plight of like the rainforest aborigines yeah. in you know Abu Adin, and he lights up a joint on stage, like in the venue, which not a big deal, but it's a pretty big deal. Like, yeah, super illegal in 2010 or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, he, out, he outhealed everybody. He did, and then he yeah. goes, "Oh, by the way." And douche, <laughs> and I was like, "Yay!" So it was my one interaction with Joe Perry. Haven't seen him since. Never saw him before, but wow. uh, he called me a douche by Chris, request. Chris L, didn't you interview Joe Perry once? A phone call? No, never. No, no that, that was Jay did. Leno. Sorry, oh, I thought you had a, uh, a Joe Perry cook cookware. No, 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 it was Tyler Perry. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> no, Chris, Chris L also. He, he has an offer for Boo Three. You don't have one yet. Yeah. <laughs> Booth three, <laughs> um, yeah. Magic touch once again. A huge chorus. It's great, but I love Fine. Fine, and it's funny because we're looking at the singles mm-hmm. listed, and Fine is not on there. But I heard that on the radio constantly. 
uh, in Winni- Winnipeg's a huge Aerosmith town, so I always love that part. Tipper and, and Joe Perry says I'm all right. Great lyrics, great, great start too. Wow. It's a dirty walk this way type riff. Exactly what I love for my Aerosmith. Uh, so I'm going with with fine. Um, Magic Touch has a really strong hook. The chorus is a great he, harmony too. Yeah, and how he he goes up higher, like can't let go right. lyric. Um, I mean, it's it's a great song, but and as much as I find the lyrics pretty embarrassing for Fine, <laughs> I still think it's got probably the most energy out of any song on the album mm. out of maybe both albums it's got the most energy and it's just it the whole song just drives and it's 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 got it's got a really great melody and uh i read in my uh little old it's like 23 years old already but the aerosmith little autobiography walk this way mm. that fine was very nearly the album title Huh. And uh, Brad Whitford came up with Pump, and that stuck. That, that, I think Pump's be better as an album title. If I, I find doesn't really make sense. No. If it was called F***ed Up, Insecure, Neurotic, and Emotional. Or For Unlawful Carnal, carnal knowledge. knowledge. Exactly right. I was going to say that next. <laughs> um, and uh, I like the Joe Perry name drop. Reminds me of we had an old uh, copy of a cassette Classics Live 2 during Moving Out. He, uh, no one knows the way of a Joe Perry gets a little pop from the crowd, throw oh, that okay. in there. Um, and uh, Hangman Jury throwback and during the uh outro, the mm. little fade out, he's he he goes into that. Mm. I don't know if you guys noticed that. What does he to. say? He he does the uh, hey boy, no, it's it's uh, some I think it's the part where he sings um, the part about uh, where the rock where Moses Dunn stood, something like that. Oh, I don't remember exactly, but wow. during the fade out, you can hear him, and he's pretty. It's brief, but he's pretty much nice doing little that. Uh, callback. Yeah, to, so uh, to the song, and um, I mean the lyrics. I, I'm less comfortable <laughs> with the lyrics <laughs> yeah. than maybe others, but uh, still a great song, and I'm going to go with F I N E. Gotcha. F-I-N-E, fine for me, too. Um, two like, clean sweeps in a row. Two clean wow. sweeps in That's a row. That's rare. Yeah. Analingus, like Chris said, he also <laughs> mentions, I'm going to kiss your boo-boo, honey, which yeah. that's another one. And that's kind of ahead of its is time. That, is that where Honey Boo Boo got her name from <laughs> listening to Aerosmith? And this is not to be confused with the Tyler Perry Boo 2 and Boo 3. No, but th- th- there are connections. <laughs> and don't forget, the, and don't forget this line, which is something Gene Simmons probably kicked himself for not writing. You're so tight, your loving oh, squeaks, yeah. oh, and I'm ready. Oh, I mean, that's terrible. you can't Re- relentless. You can't uh, say that in 2020. No, you can't. We had a meeting yesterday with uh, with uh, uh, sexual harassment people and what you can and can't do. One thing you couldn't do was read the lyrics to this song. <laughs> that was on the list. That's on the list. Yeah. Don't read it. They had it up. They had it up on the projector, and it was just a bunch of black line, like redacted <laughs> stuff. This is not water cooler talk, okay. <laughs> right? Unless you're into analingus and well, squeaky and love. Then, speaking of which, in the in the in the era of coronavirus that we're in, where like everybody's all about like spend. 90 seconds washing your hands i gotta believe anal ingus is off the list i mean yeah that's just not sanitary somebody posted a graphic the other day it said god are they still licking each other's buttholes guy more than ever god more coronavirus please exactly (laughs) i I would think that that's uh that's something that's just got to be gone by who would know what we some deep conversations here 
on the classic album clash and that's kind of ahead of its time because that's what i hear all the kids are doing these days they just snort xanax and lick each other's buttholes on uh snorting xanax from each other's buttholes TikTok or whatever i'm out of the loop no wonder no wonder china is completely shut down these days Jesus. so i got one more thing about fine um i didn't i didn't know what this meant but he says i got an emo woody wow you guys know what that means uh it's not emo like emo it's E-H-M-O in all caps. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, I got it. Because he's singing about a car or something. E-H-M-O? Like, yeah. So I looked it up and it means an early morning hard on Woody. <laughs> which is like redundant. He's he's a, saying, he has a boner boner. He has a boner. Yeah, I just cracked a boner Rodney. That's like, I lo- <laughs> yeah. That's like when people say ATM machine. You don't have to say machine. The M means two machine. Two twins. Yeah. We've got two twins. Uh, love the fact that he snuck in emo. And I would say probably Bruce Fairbairn uh, did not know what that meant and probably just like uh, in the fine tradition of Eddie Van Halen not knowing what the fuck Roth is ever talking about just yeah. lets it go. Probably emo Woody. Eh, whatever. Sounds good. Yeah, because I'm envisioning Fairbairn's probably like 50. I don't know how old he is. He's not with us anymore, right? No, he's, he's not. He's not. Gotcha. Well, two clean sweeps with uh, with two great tunes. Um, this one, hard. This is when the, the, the big time number one hits kick in. Ragdoll. Uh, versus love in an elevator. Oh my goodness! Uh, who wants to take that one to start off with it? I'll go first. Okay. Um, love Ragdoll. Uh, love the video with uh, especially Joey Kramer. Beginning. Uh, just <laughs> yeah, hitting the two bass drums. One of the just one of the. I mean, that's like one of the coolest visuals. Uh, Good call from, from a rock video, in my opinion. Um, it's one of the most like struttable songs i would say oh, I mean, strutting down the street to this song makes perfect sense the phrase hot tramp gets uh gets thrown out yeah <laughs> so i mean and it's got it's got the a feel of like uh like a new orleans funeral huh. march kind <laughs> wow. of a thing like it a, does. you put well, some time into this yeah <laughs> well that, that one uh yeah <laughs> no, no wonder i wanted to go get a popeyes after i listened to this one <laughs> <laughs> um the most random call ever Popeyes. <laughs> so that being said i'm still gonna go with love in an elevator it's for me it it's the title is like the snakes on a plane of rock and roll it's so outlandish and it's it's almost like a guilty pleasure right? like you almost feel silly when you're listening right. to it but it's it's awesome i i mean i always thought so one thing i wanted to point out um, whether our fifth guest was going to be here or not, um, that there's that riff that goes into the solo. It's it's always makes me think of Cotton Amash. Oh, which right, is like, you, you wouldn't think the Love in an Elevator would have anything similar to that, but that always makes me think of it. And uh, the video, I always thought it was hilarious because it looks like Steven Tyler is coming from a Ren fair right right behind us it's yeah. actually coming up right now <laughs> yeah. um and that's <laughs> there he is that <laughs> right hat there. so i'm going with that it's it's a guilty pleasure but it's fantastic so um i'll pick up where you left off i, I think once again ragdoll i thought is always a cool song it's obviously a big hit um it's a great follow-up to dude looks like a lady a lot more doomies in there let me go to doomy to the back door do yeah. me do me do me all the time apparently with that's this the guy. one it uh, goes into a little Mae West, which is right. Come yeah. on over, seaming. <laughs> yeah. I was like that. Right. Uh, but I think much like you said about FINE having the best energy, to me, Love in an Elevator is probably my, 
might be my favorite Aerosmith song. A, oh, outlandish subject yeah. matter. Yeah, but the as a, as a musician, I would find, uh, especially you guys would know more, especially Chris as a guitar player. Aerosmith songs not the hardest to play, but there's there's a feel to you have to have. Love and Elevators hard. It's almost prog rock in, in in parts. It reminds me a lot of Kiss. Uh, being Kiss, and then they do King of the Mountain with that middle part. Like, great riff, great middle section, and a great kind of Beatlesque fade out with that yeah. great harmony. Oh, the harmony. Yeah. Yes. I think the video actually shows That's, them singing. We're going to do it together. Okay. Yeah, at the end of the episode, going we're going down. <laughs> loving it, I love it, done. Living it up as I'm going down. Uh, so go. I'm, I'm going with the uh, elevator for yeah. sure. Me too. Same thing. Um, Ragdoll would beat almost anything else on Pump, but it's not going to be loving an elevator. Mm-hmm. So loving an elevator. Um, one line that stands out, and it kind of makes me think of this room, is you're you're used to these kind of nice accommodations, but the Pot of Thunder guys are some penthouse paupers today. <laughs> Going to be a penthouse papa. Whoa. Yeah. This might be the first time you guys didn't have to dismantle a bed with your uh, with your tools. Yeah, it's <laughs> a living room. Stuff. It's a yeah. living room here. Well, um, you know, we like to trash hotel rooms just like everybody else. So. Yeah, every other band. Um, lyrically, Loving an Elevator, the concept of it couldn't be more foreign to me. Like, I can't wrap my mind around that. That's It's like a Dragon Force song makes more sense to my real life than Loving an Elevator. <laughs> But the only thing I could relate to is that he starts on the second floor and he's done by the time he gets to the first floor. So. It's a tall, tall building, maybe. Can I? Uh, can I? Tall uh, ceilings. In the- can I throw this out to you guys? Yeah. Can you guys name another uh, uh, "Love in an Elevator" song? I know one, but I can't think of. I got one, and it's the same thing because they only have about a floor. Ten seconds to love, Motley Crue. Oh man, uh, gonna find you an elevator. You only get ten seconds to have love, so they they went from the second floor to the first floor, and their know that. their elevator was much quicker than Stevens because yeah. Steven had more time. Yeah, Nikki did not. He had ten seconds to love. That's a good elevator. Stephen hit the emergency stop <laughs> button in between <laughs> floors. Actually, in college, uh, I banged a chick in the freight elevator, and I stopped it between floors oh my gosh. overnight in the dorm. Is this the, the broken heart story that you're going to tell No, us? no. Oh, that okay, was gotcha. a conquest story for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like the la- the front desk guy overnight, you know? I love... And so I had to do the rounds of the dorm to make sure all the doors hadn't been propped open. And I took this chick I was seeing down to the game room where the freight elevator was, Ran it up between floors and uh, had had a good time. Wow. See, I, I love those days. You don't have to oh. worry about any security cameras or whatever. Just yeah. shut oh, it yeah. down. Now, if you shut an elevator up between floors, there'll be a security guard like bopping in there instantly. Oh, yeah. exactly. CNN will be there. And the whole thing will yeah. be yeah. streaming live. Right. What are you thinking between elevator and ragdoll, Chris? Uh, you know, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit. Um, in so far as this was an easy decision for me, I never liked Ragdoll okay. very much. I thought it was kind of schmaltzy, and the stuff you liked about the video, I thought was kind of stupid. And <laughs> just uh, the song never appealed to me. Uh, Loving of Elevator is great. You know, the fact that it was a number one single that's five and a half minutes long, and it's got all those. Good with the intro complex musical yeah. changes going on are is pretty impressive 
And then I'll just say, uh, with regard to the video, those two bikini chicks with the mag, the mannequins turn into the live women. Yeah, that's right. Dancing yeah. behind Brad Whitford as he's like a retail clerk or whatever in a department <laughs> store. If the one on the left it doesn't send you scrambling to the bathroom and hoping there's some hand lotion there in there, is, I don't yeah. know. Uh, what timing? Me. She was there. I mean, that the one on the left is unbelievable she's and, and she's she's way back in the distance and it still sends you to the bathroom every time it's their greatest video i'm gonna say oh yeah it, it's funny it's genuinely funny and also like about steven tyler like he's very much a old school vaudevillian type entertainer as a rock and roll singer his scatting at the beginning of this it's really good he's like doing that through his nose that's, yeah that's not, it seems impossible to do it that well he's like a, like a, he's like the henny youngman of rock <laughs> like, if henny youngman was a singer he'd be scatting through his nose <laughs> Cab, Cab Calloway, man, the mucho. Yeah, come on over, see me. He goes into Al Jolson every once in a while. I mean, <laughs> um, so we've had three uh, uh, landslides. We're, all, we're so just far. we're agreeing with we're each like, other. Like it's a, kinda, yeah, it's kind of not fun. Kind of, kind of lame. I think this is going to break it up though, because these are two so epitomes of an album track. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Simaria. Uh, versus Monkey on My Back. And I haven't listened to these albums as a whole in a while. Couldn't remember how either one of them went until I heard them, which tells you yeah. how uh, uh, kind of obscure they are. And Simariah, though, Jim Valance is on that. So he, they, this is actually a actual songwriter that they tried to, to get some, some hit. Jim Valance, the Charlie Chaplin of entertainment, <laughs> of today's entertainment. Just want to remind everybody about that. I thought that was Tyler Perry. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I mixed those two up. Yeah, he'll he's, the, he's the Buster Keaton of yeah. entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> you want to start this one off, Chris? Do you know both these two? Uh, yeah. Um, kind of like you said that F-I-N-E Fine was played a lot on Winnipeg radio or whatever. And Detroit Radio played the hell out of Monkey. I'm really? Back. It was not an album cut. It was basically, essentially a single. No in kidding. Detroit. Edited, I'm, I'm sure, right? At least in one spot. Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's I pretty mean, blatant. It got a lot of uh, radio play. Oh, I guess um, get that monkey yeah, off my back. And yeah, and it's it's not yeah. one of those. It's not one of those where you hear it on the radio. It, did he swear? Maybe. Maybe it's not. Right. It's, in your face. it's yeah. Yeah, but um, uh, I'm actually going to go with Simaria. Wow. And it was a close one, but I prefer the energy of Simaria, and um, you know, and and we'll get into uh, this also with the next track on Pump. But uh, you know, when when uh, Aerosmith starts to get a little more serious and addressing their previous drug issues, uh, it's a little too too it's, weighty it's not you for too, me. It's Aerosmith, yeah, right. Exactly. I want to hear more about. Analing things of that nature, uh, you know, well, Think, things, things of that nature, yeah, right. all sorts of things. Yeah, you know, Analingus and things of that nature. You're, yeah, your 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 drug things. That's fine, and it's a good song. I heard it a lot on the radio, but I'm going with Simariah here. Okay, Andy, Simariah. Uh, don't want to waste too much time because it's a real coin toss. Nothing from either song really uh, grabs me in any way, but picking one or the other, Simariah. So Over to you. For me, Simariah absolutely decimates Monkey on My Back. Oh, wow. I always loved Simariah. Mm. It's it's on my 80s hard rock uh, Spotify playlist. No kidding. Yes. Big Simariah fan. Big here. fan. Love it. Yes. Um, it Maybe my favorite song on the album. Damn. 
Are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. That's a hot take. Well, wow. Wow. Um, monkey on my back. I mean, I admire, you know, the fact that it's, it's uh, you know, kind of a good influence on if you got kids listening to it. it, it puts exactly it, why it sucks. It's in a, but it's in a cool way. You know, they always say, oh, well, you know, the kids... If you try to talk down to them a certain, they can tell and they don't care and they're going to think you're lame. But in, in a cool Aerosmith song, guys who have been through it and are now, that's, I mean, that was pretty well known by Permanent Vacation. Oh, that, that, oh, was, that was like that part, was the whole that was, gimmick. That yeah. was the gimmick that they're clean now, like Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> you know, that lasted like about that. a month. They're still not clean. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, I admire that aspect of it, but love Simariah. Fantastic song. Okay. Never heard so uh, somebody with such a, a, a f- affinity for Samaria. Yeah, cool. I'm the guy. Um, when you listen to it, like I said, after not remembering both the songs, obviously as soon as I heard it, like Samaria was much more melodic and better than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I think I just didn't like the song title. I thought it was stupid. So much like uh, it, when you hear a dumb song title, it kind of turned mm-hmm. me off right off the bat. It's a girl's name, like she. Yeah, she's Samaria. Yeah, you don't know a she. You don't know a Samaria. I get it. But uh, Monkey on My Back, by far for me, my favorite. Ooh. Uh, great drums on it. I love the beginning of it. I love kind of the lazy like uh, slide guitar thing. Yeah. And once again, the pattern of what I like from my Aerosmith is those. Uh, as I said, Slash one time. I said your your uh, your riffs are slimy. He's like, yeah, I like that slimy. And this is a slimy Aerosmith. Like it's just. Yep. I found they're really in the groove. If you take out Young Lust, those three songs, Fine Elevator, and Monkey have some great riffs and great playing in it. So uh, Samurai, better than I remember. Monkey on my back, definitely a killer tune and probably one of, one of my top three uh, on the Pump album. Okay. There you go. Finally, some division there. Descent. Something better, yeah. The two possibly biggest hits on the record uh, against each other, a Dude Looks Like a Lady and uh, Janie's Got a Gun. Another huge hit at 538. Mm. That's a long song for radio. Yeah. Nowadays, if you do 401, radio programmers want to play it. Everybody wants 359. It's a true story. Wow. I'll start with this one. Dude Looks Like a Lady. Uh, that's what got me into Aerosmith at this time frame. Uh, great story on the talk is Jericho with Desmond Child when he said that he first met with Aerosmith. He came in the room and they said, we're going to play this for you. And they had the loop. Anana, 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 anana. And the song title at the time was... Cruising for the ladies, Anna, Anna, cruising for the ladies, and he was like, uh, "They go, what do you think?" And he's like, "I think it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> terrible song title. It's the worst ever." He's right. Yeah. And they were gonna, yeah, and they said, "Well, we we were gonna call it Dude Looks Like a Lady, but we don't know what that means." And Desmond's like, "I'm gay. I know what that means," <laughs> and convinced them about Dude Looks Like a Lady. And it's yeah. it's it's a crazy weird song title, much like Love in the Elevator. It just doesn't make sense, but. Great riff. Mm-hmm. Well, here we go. Do me, do me, do me all night. Yeah. He's got a lot of do me's here. Uh, but um, and, and just it was one of the first times you ever heard the, the, that looping sound, which is kind of very common now with, with computers and stuff, with the fact that they're able to use that. So uh, great verse to cruising to a bar on the shore, blah, 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 blah. Like, uh, uh, and, and much like what Chris L said about Ragdoll, never like Janie's Got a Gun. Don't like the riff now. Don't like the melody. Don't like that round, 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 round. Like it sucks. And like, what the f- are you singing about gun control, Aerosmith? Like, 
fuck right. off. Domestic <laughs> abuse or rage, whatever. Rage Get against the machine? Right. Go away. <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, I, I need escape from this. Two stuff. songs earlier, you were loving in an elevator, and now you're singing about gun control? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, leave that to Pearl Jam and those sad sack bleeding hearts. I want... Oh. Uh, I want my dudes so, that so look like a lady. So you have an Eddie Vedder on next week? Watch, watch your mouth around the huge Pearl Jam fan over there. In the I'm not back. saying I'm not a fan. I'm just saying that the, the, Jeremy's spoken in class days about gun control. That's fine for Pearl Jam. It's not fine for Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. This is a dog of a song. I would never listen to this unless it came on the radio and I had to. Uh, Dude looks like a lady. That's the winner. That's what I'm going with. Um, I... Not going to go with Janie's Got a Gun. I'm going to go with Dude Looks Like a Lady, but I will say it's a great song. Janie's Got a Gun. I mean, it really is. And it's, I mean, yeah, it's got the, the bouncy kind of. It was bounce, a huge right? hit. But it's, I mean, it yeah. really, like, one, once you get into the vocals and everything, it's really a fantastic song. And, I mean, it's an uncomfortable. It's you know, very well produced as well. And by the way, a rare songwriting credit from Tyler and Tom Hamilton. Tom Hamilton. That probably paid for his house, a couple mm-hmm. houses. I would think so. That's a big song good yeah. job tom that's uh let's see here i wonder what it pun intended what it took to get that songwriting credit because <laughs> yeah. uh i mean i wonder seriously i wonder what he contributed to probably that bass line that i would say the riff because yeah. it's tyler yeah. tom hamilton so i, I would well, say I bet, I, mean, she, I bet she wrote I'm, the tune. I'm pretty sure sweet emotion was also it was, and was yeah. Tom hamilton, did, yeah. did he get a songwriting I'm, credit i'm fairly that? certain he did so. yeah okay well that makes sense that it, um yeah, I'm gonna go with dude looks like a lady. I mean, it's it's such a like you said, it's a weird, crazy song, a completely outlandish title. And I read in the book here that uh, the reason that he Steven Tyler had the guts to go with the title "Love in an Elevator" is because hey, I did dude looks like a lady. I like I'm I'm sticking with that Love gave him the, yeah. the creative it, license. It, it worked then. I'm gonna do it. You know, this hmm. this is just as outlandish. I'm gonna do it again. So. Right. Um, and Tom did have sweet emotion. That's that's Tyler and Tom. So he does work uh, work some tunes in there. Two huge. It's like it's like Queen with like John, John Deacon. Yeah. He, the two songs he wrote were huge. That's all you need. Same with Tom Hamilton. So so good good on him. Uh, congratulations, Tom, if you're listening. All right, I got a lot to say about both of these. So bear with me. So Can you first- say that in a Paul Stanley voice, please? <laughs> I got a no. I got a lot to say about both songs. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Dude Looks Like a Lady. I love the use of horns in a song in this era. Great call. Great call. Because it's pretty it's rare. All, for it's this all over of, both albums. Yeah. yeah but pretty, lots of horns on here. Pretty rare for a rock band in this era, though, to have any horns at all. So yeah. very cool. Um, thematically ahead of its time, because if you listen and pay attention to what he's saying, he finds out that this hot woman has a penis, and he's just like, whatever. That's my lady. Very open to it. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, oh, what the... You know, there's no... Yeah. So it's like, it's it's 1987, but it's 2020. And, and that was also Desmond's line. She, she pulled out a gun and blew me away. Yeah. Get it? There you go. Yeah. Once again, Gene Simmons is going, damn it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention, there's baritone sax in here, which I think is the perfect instrument to accompany a surprise penis <laughs> that you weren't expecting. Womp, womp, womp. And then, and and is it a coincidence that a, a song about a man dressed as a woman was written by Tyler Perry? And Desmond Child. I love that line though. We don't know what that means. It's Joe Perry. We don't know what that means. I'm gay. I, I know what it means. Janie's got me on this. Janie's got a gun. The percussion at the beginning and like the bass tone and the whip cracks. You know, there's like the. Yeah. 
that always reminded me like I picture Robert Stack walking down some misty <laughs> railroad tracks. <laughs> It always reminded me of Unsolved Mysteries, and I didn't like it for that reason. It gives me the creeps. Only uh, on the classic album Clash with the Pot of Thunder Brothers would we get a Robert Stack and a Tyler Perry and a Buster Keaton reference <laughs> all within about 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah we can't help ourselves. And don't forget anal language. <laughs> and then, That's uh, the title of this episode, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Last thing. Um, this came out the same year as 18 in Life by Skid Row. Wow, interesting. Mm. But that came out in January. And it kind of has a similar vibe as far as subject matter that it's like this person committing this. It's like a serious song and there's this act of violence and right. the the repercussions of said violence and not what you'd expect from but, bands But basically, though, the, the, the story is that Janie was getting, uh, getting uh, not, what's the word, molested. Yeah. And she pulls out a gun and shoots the guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So she's the hero because she's, she's the hero, the, but she's going to jail too. Oh, like she goes, yeah. there's the other part of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so that, she has to deal with she's the going, vicious circle. She's going she's, for her uh, permanent vacation. There you go. Yeah. There call you back. Very much call so. back. Mm -hmm. Call back. And a, a song, the more recent song that I think is even closer in theme is "Dear Father" off the Last Sabbath album, because mm. it's wow. about it's about a like a religious. Was that actually person. on the album? Was that one of the it's, seven bonus tracks? It's, that came it's the last one on the official or whatever. <laughs> was, normal. What album am I supposed to listen to? Normal release. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Similar thing. Someone getting abused and then and then so, offing the person. What are you choosing? I am going to choose "Dude Looks Like a Lady." Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, Pretty one-sided, in my opinion. But what do you mm -hmm. think, Chris? Uh, dude, look like looks like a lady, hands down. My uh, opinion is almost exactly the uh, same as yours, Chris. I, I, Janie's got a gun never did it for me. It was like them just trying to be too serious, and it just didn't compute with me. And Dude, looks like a lady is, a, is incredible. Just It's so uh, audacious and over the top. And like in the video, the... The, the best part for me is the when he, the like it like it like it like that in 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 syncopating with his hip thrusts in the video and <laughs> great and huge props to Mr. Perry incredible guitar solo agreed I mean that thing agreed, is yeah. flawless great feel it's got a it's a, it's a clean kind of guitar tone it's a clean so sound, it's not yeah. like a it's not like a shredding guitar solo it's just more it's just pure rock and roll front to back great composition to it and it really makes a song for me it's one of those things like i said when we kind of rediscovered aerosmith with these records you, and and we talked about kind of the yin and yang of perry and, and tyler joe perry is a great guitar player man like he really mm -hmm. is they're, they're, you know what they're very similar to acdc in that every guy in that band fits that band perfect and they're a great machine mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. well old machine yeah any merit to the fact that the uh, dude looks like a lady is that Steven Tyler saw Vince Neil at the bar, uh, Rainbow or something? Is that where that original? Well, that was kind of the idea. Of the, well, that's the the urban legend. The urban yeah. legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't I, know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vinnie Barbarino. <laughs> yeah. Um, we move on to uh, Saint John versus the other side, and this is this, the, we don't forget this little instrument going down. Love Elevator, Water Song, Jay's got it. This is the Dulcimer Stomp. Actually, Water Good Song was another one that had a different title. It was originally Water Sports. And uh, <laughs> Joe Perry was like, we don't know what that means. 
And, uh, but but they did. They did, in this case they didn't relent to Mister uh, Child, unfortunately. Dulcimer Stomp. That's got a really cool uh, intro for the other side, which was another big radio hit. You want to start this one off, Andy? Sure. Um, between the two, I'm taking the other side. Um, St. John, I'm not a huge fan of the blues, mm. like in its purest form. I yeah. get the influence that it's had on a lot of the music that I like, but I don't like it on its own. Mm-hmm. I get it. I respect it, but it's not my thing. So the right. other side is what I'm going with. And I always thought it was funny that in so many songs, the subject of mama told me this important lesson. Did that happen in your, like, did your mom give you all this advice? My mom, I mean, my mom's great, but the only thing she ever, advice she ever gave me was like, take some business classes. Like she never gave me any of these like, stay away from these kinds of girls and all that, you know, like. When I was just a baby, mama sat me on her knee. Never. It's like, what do you mean you want to study that? (laughs) Study business. My mom, there was this book, it was called Where Did I Come From? And it was cartoon depictions of sex. She basically threw that book at my brother and I and said, read that. And that was it. No sitting on the knee. No no spoken advice. It's like, when I was just a baby. Yeah, read that. And that's it. So, so I can't relate to that. Anyway. Keep it going, Chris. Uh, St. John versus uh, other side. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing to the other side. I just... It, so overrated. I just that song just never did it for other me. side. Yeah, really. Okay, never did it for me. And I'm, I actually agree with Andy. It's like overt nods to the blues are not really my thing either. But um, going back to how you described Slash is playing this slimy groove to it. It's got what St. John has, and that's definitely more appealing to me than. Interesting. I like the fact you took St. John. That's good. Yeah, I, the other side just uh, was always so overrated. See, I, to me, that's one of the tunes I just I love. There's a there's a side, no pun intended, of Aerosmith that just goes full on radio, um, glossy sheened pop, and um, just take me to the other side. It, it's just great. And this is a, actually an interesting song title. Uh, songwriters here. This is like a, a rap song. There's one, two, three, four writers on this. One of them named Lamont. Lamont Dozier uh, oh, was on the song. Right God, no, I, well, that's that's another thing I noticed. That was those guys. That's a four tops, right? Or, yes. Yeah. There, there, there was a lawsuit. There was a what? lawsuit. There was, there was a yeah. lawsuit. They're Standing in the shadows of love. Yeah, is they, the original. Oh, that's song. right. Yeah. That was the original. What? That's the that's the song that it was a little too close to. Kind of uh, really. The, yeah. The. Yeah. Uh, um, What's the part that in uh, the other side? What um, loving you has Do got me, to be probably loving you has got to be like the devil in the deep blue sea. Right. That part, it, standing in the shadows of love. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it's like the same thing. So yeah, there was a lawsuit, yeah. and that's Holland Dozier Hall, and that's one of those yeah, that's you know a four tops. New, uh, wow, uh, songwriting. Like I googled this, the songwriting team of Holland Dozier Hall were eventually given songwriting credit on the song after threatening to file suit over what they perceive to be similarities between the other side and their song Standing in the Shadows of Love. Interesting. Yep. Standing in the shadows of love yeah. like the devil in the deep blue sea. Wow. I mean, it's just one part, but it's big enough. I didn't know that. Significant enough. It's like uh, My Sweet Lord George Harrison yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with the Chiffons or whatever it was, the Shirleys, whatever they were called. Um, <laughs> I'm going to continue. Uh, oh, yes, other side for me, St. John, once again, uh, I find St. John is a filler track. 
uh, we needed a song here. We like the blues. I get it. But as you know, a 16 year old kid that just heard dude looks like a lady and Simariah before it, it didn't really fit in for me. And other side, uh, another big radio song, uh, not just in Winnipeg, a number one tune. So I'm taking that. Nick? Um, I'm going to go other side as well, even though I will, uh, to a certain degree, agree with the mysterious Chris L over here. That Very it's, mysterious. It's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty unremarkable song comparatively. Right. Um, even though, what, doesn't it say on here it was a number one? Yeah. So that's one, that's a number one. Yeah. And so, I mean, whatever. But <laughs> it's still... I still like it better than St. John. St. John is fine. Um, the, the Delta Blues thing I'm on and off with, it, it, it doesn't really grab me. I mean, yeah, it goes, you know, you, you get the distorted guitars and the big drums and everything coming eventually. But um, other side, I'm going to go with, even though I'm not a huge fan of it, and I did read that it pushed Deuces or Wild off of the album. It came late, and then that ended up on the Beavis and Butthead album no kidding and uh, i like deuces are wild better personally so but, that uh, gives you extra reason to not like the other side yeah you or and and to kind of admire it from a distance <laughs> <laughs> why don't you keep it going because it's st john is almost a, a a sister song with hangman jury it's like a we will rock you we are the champions of these two blues songs in the middle of the, of the record and that to me almost bogs the record down. Agreed. Especially why, when there's why, 12 songs on it already, yeah, they should have cut and, one of them. And why two in a row with this mm-hmm. kind of Delta Blues acoustic Agreed. thing going on? It just, uh, to me, it doesn't make sense. Um, Hangman Jury, I think, is a better song than St. John. Um, I have no idea what uh, Hey Boy, Don't You Line the Trekalaka means. Hey Boy, no idea. Don't You I, Line on the Trekalaka. I, I, I read, I know that it's, uh, it's, exactly taken from an old lead belly song i don't know what lead belly was talking about and i'm fine with admitting that um so yeah i'm gonna definitely be uh going with (laughs) with my girl believe it or not wow that's a that's well now and and my reason is it i listened to it recently and there's a really, I don't know if it's conscious or not, but there's a really strong CCR kind of a vibe to it. Hmm. It's very like Bad Moon Rising musically. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm a pretty big CCR fan. So, and and plus it's got Voodoo Hoodoo is uh, coming up, and that's a big like Fogarty kind of a thing that he... Hoodoo, yeah. Yeah, he'll do songs about. So, and I think it's a pretty cool song. I mean, it's not it's not great. But uh, it, it it has that element to it, and it's kind of cool to hear to realize that, or at least in my own head, to think, wow, it's Aerosmith and it's kind of CCR also, right? So it makes it more interesting for me. So I'm going to go with my girl. Um, my girl, I thought was the theme for the uh, much uh, forgotten Macaulay Culkin Anna Klumsky vehicle, <laughs> where uh, it's the most. It's right after Home Alone. And you think it's going to be a little kid romance, then Macaulay Culkin dies of a horrible bee attack. Yeah. What kind of a movie is this? Terrible. You know, I remember and, watching that and being like, what just happened? They said, oh, I love Turned my world Culkin upside down. And he's holding hands with Anna Klumski, and here comes a f- bee's nest, <laughs> and now he's dead? Yeah. That didn't have to happen. Talk about Clint Eastwood twist that I never wanted to see, like Million Dollar Babies. What are you talking about? He should yeah. have been washing his hands more thoroughly. <laughs> his immune system it would have been strong. Wash more hands, lick less buttholes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, my Girl, super, uh, super filler song. <laughs> 
<laughs> barely remember it after I just listened to it two days ago. All I'm thinking about is the Anna. Cl- I, just, I love the word when you're talking about a movie, the Anna Klumsky Macaulay Culkin vehicle. Vehicle, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the Ted Danson might have been that too, or something. Dan Aykroyd was the. Oh, so oh that's he was right. like the the stepdad. He was Mister Mister Saltenfuss. What? Veda Saltenfuss was the girl's name. How? How do you remember this? That's the only thing I remember. I don't remember what what well, Chris L was talking. That's a about. hell of a thing to remember. Veda <laughs> Saltenfuss. Well, it's an Saltenfuss. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Uh, hey boy, don't you lie on the track like a hey boy. That's I like that part better than anything. My girl, so I'm going to go with Hey My Jerry. But both of them can jump off a cliff and I could care less about either song. Hmm. Um, Hangman Jury has, is the best interpretation of the blues by a white man since Mississippi Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Mississippi Gary? He was Mark, McKin- Mark McKinney on Kids in the Hall. <laughs> when he was the blues man. Great Kids in the Hall reference. Um, oh, boy. I liked My Girl a lot better. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was one of the best on Pump. Wow, interesting. Call me crazy. I enjoyed it. You're crazy. Yep. Wow, okay. You make sense. My girl, she breathes hellfire. It's a good line. Yeah, I mean, for me, the the uh, you know the 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 hey boy, don't you whatever he's saying there. I on the track of like it's clearly a reference to. Didn't they use slave labor to lay down all the railroad tracks across America? And I think it was you know since Lead Belly sang it, it's like it's like a slave song. Oh, it's not what I want to hear on a party album, you know. Yeah. So my girl, you, 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 you know, I mean, if I'm at a party where people are into that song, I'm leaving that party yeah. because uh, they're going to be busting out the white sheets and God knows what else. Um, so then we transition. How much else can you use, by the way? So then we transition. These are reasonable discussions. Yeah. Come on. He has a he has a, a, a worldly audience. Very much appreciate so. this. They're going to appreciate it. Um, so you you switch over to my girl talking about she's a bear, rhyming bareback rider with Lady Godiva. I mean, it's all about the lyrics for <laughs> that, my girl. Hold on, bareback rider with Lady Godiva. Yeah, that's I mean, great. it's it's excellent. Sweeter than honey from a honeybee. I mean, come on, well, this that's is blues, isn't that blues? Yeah, stuff? but yeah. it's also delivered alongside references to cats o nine tails and. <laughs> And other so- sorts of things. It's pretty I deep. Mean, yeah, it's excellent. I mean, it's by the way, did you just say uh, uh, want to be your honeybee? Yeah. See, it is related to the Macaulay Culkin and a Klumsky vehicle. Wow. What, In it, fact, what, I, th- yeah. I think on Urban Dictionary, Klumsky is a term for analingus. So. <laughs> hey, it is now. It is now. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those names like yeah. Tracy Scoggins, like yeah. Klumsky. Yeah. Best name ever. Yeah. Klumsky equals now analingus. <laughs> Kind of like uh, in, in Harold and Kumar, Blumpkin. It's oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I was actually yeah. thinking Blumpkin. Yeah. That's so funny. Are enough people doing this to where uh, you need a name for it? It's always been my question about Blumpkin. Yeah. Not anymore, thanks to coronavirus. Jeez, thanks a lot, Jeez, coronavirus. coronavirus. Uh, just for the record, uh, Chris L., can you explain what uh, a Blumpkin is? It's uh, when... Uh, <laughs> when you're, when you're uh, a girl's giving you a head while you're sitting on the toilet taking a shit. Hey... How you the, doing? The Guantanamo Bay masterpiece. <laughs> right up there with McGruber. Oh, thank you. Thanks, thanks, guys. Comedies. Appreciate that. But yeah, my girl for me. Okay. Way, way out of it. Uh, as we get down towards the end of the record, uh, the girl keeps coming apart versus don't get mad, get even. 
You want to start this one, Andy? Sure. Um, this is another one where I don't have a ton to say. Neither song really jumps out at me, um, but I would pick Girl Keeps Coming Apart. Interesting, I guess you'd say spoken word section at the beginning where he's talking about an old floozy flopping in the wind, titties and all. That's before the song starts. That's what Steven Tyler's wow. talking about. Yeah. So How does that not <laughs> draw you in? It does, but as far as the actual song... I give it like a, a six or seven on a ten point scale, but I like it better than "Don't Get Mad, Get it, Get Even." So there you go, Nick. Interesting. Well, at least I found an interesting little uh, fact that I read about "Don't Get Mad, Get Even." Apparently, uh, Joe Perry for some reason ran Ragdoll backwards. Listen to it backwards. It figured out the chord progression and timing, and built "Don't Get Mad, Get Even" around that. Really? That's off that, of what tune? Off of off of Ragdoll. No kidding. That's that's the story. Weird. Um, I'm not a big fan of Don't Get Mad, Get Even. I like that um, there's a reference to Sally in the Alley. Hmm. I don't know if it's a re- if that's a direct reference to the uh, great Robert Palmer song, Sneaking Sally Through the Alley. I think it has something to do with Sally Struthers. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you can mention Struthers on a show. It's... Analingus Queen, Sally Struthers. <laughs> How do you think she kept Meathead around? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think he put up with all that abuse from the father-in-law? <laughs> Your father is an asshole, but if it wasn't for this butt licking, I'd be out of here. Yeah, um, I'm going Girl Keeps Coming Apart. I, I've always liked that song from when I had the tape when I was seven years old. And in listening to it recently in preparation, I noticed that the guitar solo has an Eddie Van Halen kind of a vibe. It does. Which uh, it's very unusual to hear. Well, from and that, but that would clearly have been played by Whit. I was going to say that. Because oh, he's okay. m- yeah. the way more of the technical, yeah. smooth, fluid player. Yeah. So um, That could be then. So uh, I think it absolutely is. I don't okay. think Joe Perry would even I agree. attempt that. Hmm. I agree. Um, it's not his style. So I'll, I'll just cut in here what did you what did you choose girl keeps coming apart yeah and i i choose that as well and listening back uh to permanent vacation this this song really jumped out at me as one of the best on the whole album both of those solo sections the both the two guitar solo sections the band is just slamming Mm -hmm. on those great bass playing those those insistent thrusts from the horn section coming in and punctuating everything I mean, the energy on that is yeah. is excellent. Just to me, torches don't get mad, get even. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of song titles, vastly superior. You see, you, you see a song, Girl Keeps Coming Apart. You're like, what the hell is this going to be about? Mm-hmm. I have to listen. The other, Don't Get Mad, Get Even. Uh, it's a bumper trite, sticker. Yeah. yeah. Keel song. <laughs> right. Which that's nothing that anyone should aspire to, to mimic a keel song. <laughs> um, much like what you guys said, a girl keeps apart. This this one when I first heard the record, what, what are you laughing at? <laughs> they're still laughing. How about from before? How about guilt? About uh, Sally Struthers? I think it's about <laughs> Sally Struthers. I love "Girl Keeps Coming Apart" from when I first heard the record because that jam section in the middle, it's like I, 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 oh, yeah. it's almost like a Blues Brothers like and I love. There's a song on the Synchronicity record called "Oh My God" by the Police. And there's, there's, it's not a similar jam, but there's a part where they just jam. And I love it when you get a rock and roll band who just jams. And there's probably, I think there's probably six lyrics in the whole song. The rest is just the solo sections back and forth. But there's a great part at the end of the song where Steven does a little spoken word. Mm. And, and I almost can say it verbatim, but I looked up just to make sure. 
So there she was, buns up and kneeling. That's right. I yeah. was a wheeling and a dealing, my ace in the hole, so to speak. I, I forgot to mention that, yes. Uh, I mean, buns up and kneeling. kneeling. That's right there. It's my ace in the hole, yeah. so to speak. In fact, that, really? was, that was a line of dialogue from Macaulay Culkin in that movie. <laughs> in, that, in the vehicle of it would, with it, would, it would make sense that Steven Tyler would get together with Luther Campbell and work on something <laughs> like that. Like that theme. <laughs> That's what, he thought. He thought it was. He thought it was the Run DMC thing worked. That's so right. Well. He thought it was two live crew, and it was Run DMC. He got it mixed up. But a girl keeps me about one of the highlights of the record for me. And uh, uh, don't get mad. Get even. One of the stock, like you said, we need a song. Write something up. Spend ten minutes on it, and off you go. So bad uh, fight between those two because girl's the winner there. We're gonna flip flop Angel, like we said. So now we go to the title track, Permanent Vacation, versus Voodoo Medicine Man. Uh, Chris, you want to start this one? Yeah, I would say these are probably, uh, respectively, my two least favorite cuts on either album. And um, I'm going to give the nod to, um, reluctantly, to Hoodoo Voodoo Medicine Man, because... Medicine Man. Yeah, just, again, just too, too much of a nod to the blues for my taste, but... On the flip side, you've got friggin' permanent vacation. You got a steel drum in there. It's like their their attempt to be Jimmy Buffett, and I hate Jimmy Buffett. And that whole scene that he represents, like boat culture and people who, you know, wearing flip flops and going on vacation and stuff, it's just like those, those assholes going on vacation and shit. But the way the way they vacation and they're, you know, the whole just everything about the whole Jimmy Buffett parrot head scene just is. Oh, so I, so revulsive. I frankly am surprised that you don't have any appreciation, uh, at least lyrically, for permanent vacation because he says in there that he wants a suntan where the sun never shines. Yeah, but even no, that, I'm surprised that, that didn't just sway it for you. <laughs> no, it's just that that whole Jimmy Buffett vibe just destroyed it for me immediately. So out out the window for that one. All right, uh, Nick. Um. Chris uh, L is going to be upset, but uh, Permanent Vacation, probably my second favorite song on that record. Always loved it. It's a, I think it's, it's a great song, real catchy. I love the lyrics. Um, I mean, it ended up being the, the title of the album, it, which is kind of funny because it's one of those, one of those songs that is pretty, pretty obscure, I would yeah, say, yeah, yeah. And even though the album's named after it. Voodoo Medicine Man didn't really do anything for me, even though... Like I said, for my girl, I love the whole CCR kind mm-hmm. of thing and hoodoo voodoo medicine, man. And just that title alone screams CCR. Hoodoo. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's, that's a John that's, Fogarty. That's a lost movie. album, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the song itself didn't really do it for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm going Permanent Vacation. I always loved it. I, I really like Permanent Vacation, too. And once again, you're thinking of this from a kid who's a metal guy in 1987. So I'm already been you know, made into Metallica or my band's. But I like Permanent Vacation because I love the chorus. I love the fact they use, I really, really need it. Saint-Tropez. Gonna get a sun Saint-Tropez. See, that's exactly And then it ends. It ends with the the kettle drums, steel drums, uh, random orangutan noises, (laughs) and jungle birds. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm in. I dig it. I love the the name Permanent Vacation. For a band like Aerosmith, it's it's like Mm -hmm. nonstop party. And 
much like the two-song downswing on Permanent of St. John Hangman Jury, uh, Pump has a three-song for me where it's My Girl, Don't Get Mad, and Hoodoo Medicine Man. Voodoo Medicine Man. Couldn't even tell you how any of those songs goes, and I just listened to them literally three hours ago after my match when I was at the arena because it was the last songs I hadn't heard, and I'm like, I don't remember any of these. I just remember that Voodoo Medicine Man. There's some kind of weird yeah. voice thing. Uh, permanent Vacation wins for me. Same here, Permanent Vacation. Um, kind of going the opposite of what Chris said, Chris L., I kind of like the steel drums in a rock song. I don't think I like steel drums in like a Jimmy Buffett-style song. That's not my thing either. But in a rock song, it's kind of different. In a rock song that's called Permanent Vacation. Yeah. Like, come party with us forever. Why not? It's like Sammy Hagar's life is a permanent yeah. vacation. <laughs> yeah. Aerosmith was trying to you know foreshadow that. Yeah, I'm into it. So that's my choice. All right. Now we get to the last song on the record, a huge battle between two number one songs. Uh, the big monster ballads, Angel uh, versus What It Takes. And um, let's just get a little research here. I want to find out who wrote these tunes. I think Angel was a... Uh, Angel? That's Desmond Child. I, I thought yeah, it was. Steven I, Tyler and Desmond Child. Angel, Steven yeah. Tyler, Desmond Child. What It Takes, Steven Tyler and Desmond Child. That mother Desmond Child, man. That guy can write a chorus yeah. like no other. I mean, come on, dude. Like, what a, what a great... Uh, what a great songwriter. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, so Angel, yeah, is a Steven, or is a Desmond Child. So um, I'll, I'll start this one off. It's tough because so Angel, 87 is when uh, I started grade 12, which was your senior year. I had a crush on this girl named was Karen McFarlane. Karen, if you're listening, I wish things could have been different. She won't be listening. But um, she's a huge pot of Thunder fan. She's <laughs> big listening. Time, big time. <laughs> Mention it on ours. Because, but, 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 but the, the, the fall of 87 is when Dude came out, because mm-hmm. that's when the record came out. So as the, as the time goes on, Ragdoll was the second single. I graduated in uh, June of 88, which was right around Angel, which was probably, I'd say, March or April of 88 when it came out. So I was so obsessed with this chick, and I was like, Angel was like, I was like, envisioning her was my angel yeah uh what a great chorus uh heartbreaking because i never was able to get my angel but dude like that is the epitome of a great rock and roll ballad and once again at five minutes long that's a long tune man for Mm -hmm. for for uh for a ballad and then the third huge single on pump also five minutes long yeah. Uh, love the fact, girl, before I met you, I was F-I-N-E fine. Now, loves would take me prisoner. My heart's been doing time. I like when they call back to old yeah. songs. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's a tough one. Angel's great. I'm going to have to give the nod to what it takes. I just think the chorus, uh, Jesus, it's tough. They're, bo- <laughs> they're both a 9.9 and a 9.91. Uh, it's Angel. Karen McFarlane, I love you. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, um, <laughs> you know, I was talking to Karen McFarlane backstage before. <laughs> I was talking to Karen McFarlane backstage before. Buns up and kneeling. <laughs> I was yeah. a wheeling and dealing. Um, My ace in the hole, so to speak. Uh, I like, you know, the thing that always stood out to me is I like, it, it almost seems like a, a brave move to put an accordion on there. It works really, the way that they use yeah. it during the chorus works really well. Mm. Really great touch. Um, I'm going with Angel, however. Um, in my opinion, up there with like Home Sweet Home is like the great power ballad of all time. Wow. In my opinion. Yeah. It, it's it, 
I'm not a huge power ballad guy, but Angel every time. <laughs> I was just saying both of them start with the little drum. Little yeah, drum that's thing true. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's Angel is yours? Angel. Okay, got it. Angel as well. Um, there was a period of my life, I bet you guys maybe were the same way, at least at some point, where you really probably didn't want to admit that you liked power ballads. Were you like, oh, that's stupid. I only like the fast songs for the guys yelling the whole time. Maybe not for you guys, but that's how I felt. But as I got older, I could really appreciate power ballads and stuff that maybe I didn't think was as uh, cool or for whatever bogus image I wanted to portray. Love, is for, love is for suckers kind of a mentality. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, both great. It's no surprise that after these two songs, Aerosmith just kept drilling in that direction of like let's keep cranking out these ballads because we're awesome at this but they got wimpier and wimpier as they went they along did, that's the problem but they stayed popular dude, for dude they made years. huge, huge hits from yeah, it yeah but I, I got further and further away from these albums even for me they, and for a guy like charlie these albums were further and further away from the toys in the attic era. yeah well, but I mean, there's Dream On. That's the uh, these kind of songs are sort of the foundation but, of their. But, but you can't compare Dream On to I don't want to miss a thing. Sure, that's oh, the hell no the yeah. the epitome of it. Just a shit, terrible, yeah, pandering. Yeah, but there's something we talk about on Pot of Thunder pretty often, and it's that sometimes people forget that this is a job for these people. Right. And it's like, well, if we just made all this money and we bought a boat, now we're part of boat boat culture. <laughs> And we really like let's it. Do it. Let's do it again because I liked making all that money but and it worked. Sure, and I feel yeah. like these two songs in a row, it's like, all right, we got two. Let's do one That's or two on every point. album. And, 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 and Get a Grip had, had one on it as well. Mm-hmm. Crazy and Crazy, you know, you know, amazing. Uh, amazing, right. Amazing was the third album closer of this giant ballad. Yeah. Yeah. And I know even from our band, listen, I love our faster tunes than the heavier ones, but the ones that made us the money are the radio tunes and they're great to play. But once in a while... I'm like, can we just get another, like, you know, Sin and Bones faster? And they're like, well, the producer doesn't want them. Like, yeah. That stupid producer wants us to make money and have yeah. hits. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Can right? we just do a thrash song just for me? Yeah. But I can, I can kind of see that, you know, when you say, you know, they're, they're making these. This is where Aerosmith became huge again. Yes, there's the dude looks like a ladies. Yes, there's the fines. But it was the angel, what it takes, amazings that really, or even living uh, on the edge. That's a kind of a ballad yeah, that, too. That's in there too. That's what made them even bigger than they were was because of those type of tunes. And remember, they're not twenty five years old at that point either. Like right. I said, they they got bills, they got families, they want to make money. They lost everything in the seventies, yeah. so they basically have nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. So there you go. So what did you choose? I chose Angel. Angel, gotcha. But I like them both. But Angel yeah. wins. Chris. Yeah, I I've never had any qualms about admitting that i'm a sucker for a great power ballad and both of these fit the bill there there was a time when i would hear what it takes in the late 80s and just sit there marveling at what a great song it is lyrically everything but i'm going to give the nod to angel that here comes my story of heartbreak oh, that boy. I alluded to earlier again very similar to what um chris over there related which proof Speaking of related proof that we are probably brothers, mm-hmm. write me into the will immediately. That's my <laughs> request. You owe it to me because um, he's going first. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. In, in my will or in Ted's will, because Ted's got a lot of debt. Whatever. Uh, your world. Um, but no, uh, I, I, I also know the name Laurel Gray was mm. the name of the young lady. Laurel. I was, in, I was in college Laurel. at that time. 
made a mixtape for her. That's of, it's of, huge. Of all ballads like this, Angel was on it. Broken Hearts by Living Color was on it. Wow. Sweetheart Like You, Bob Dylan was on it. Damn. Some other stuff didn't work. Didn't achieve the desired result. Well, those are kind of broken-hearted songs well, to send her. Yeah, but not necessarily. I mean, no. it, the, the title of the Living Color song is doesn't necessarily ref, ref, reflect. Maybe you should have went with Open Letter to a Landlord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not funny, that was a fire. Funny vibe would have been another good one. How so many people die? Yeah. Isn't this great, baby? Yeah, that's another one. That's, that's their Janie's got a gun. It's like, when I hear about like slum lords killing people i don't know but anyway i put angel angel was the centerpiece of a classic mixtape of ballads that i made for her got zero ghosted response. you yeah. deserved zero Essentially, response that's what I, but you, you know what the problem was when you when you listed the mixtape you actually pulled a freudian slip and called it angel lingus <laughs> yes yeah um what? so anyway similar story but angel that mellotron Line yes. is awesome. And just when it boils right down to it, as I was listening to these songs again, Angel gave me the chills at yeah. times. Gave me the goosebumps. There's that part baby, baby, baby. It's so yeah. good. And the, then they yeah. cut in with that Mellotron. It's, it's a great really melody line. And the, the, yeah, and the chord progression is just huge. You know, it's awesome. funny. Once when I had Desmond on Talk is Jericho, I went to Spotify and found a Desmond Child playlist with all of these songs on mm. it. Like, if there was ever a guy that was just born to write memorable, amazing choruses. Incredibly talented. What else I like, too, about what it takes is it's the end of the record. And so it, it fades out. There's a nice, let go, let go, let go, which goes, and then it ends with, like, some other kind of accordion. And Steven Tyler does some, like, thank you so much for listening to the record, and we'll see you soon, or some, like, some carnival barker it's, thing, right? Yeah, I like I do like that that he and that seems to be I'm just speculating all Steven Tyler like of like course. like getting because he seems like so hyper so the like so willing with so any Youngman vaudeville yeah rock just and so roll willing guy. to like okay here's something that's like uh, kitsch but I'm gonna put it in there Steven anyway. Tyler late 80s Tyler Perry if you will <laughs> Steven Tyler and Dave Lee Roth are cut from the same cloth oh yeah absolutely you know, totally. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, he, carnival barkers, yeah. showmen, MCs, yeah, showmen, vaudevillian showmen with the athleticism, Catskill uh, yeah. vaudevillians. Oh, and something else I wanted to mention about '80s Aerosmith, and, and if you if you if you claim that you never had these thoughts, you're lying. So I don't want to hear your lies. <laughs> Perry and Tyler, their nipple game was strong Huge. in the 80s. Huge. I mean, perfect. Huge. Areolas. Yeah. The color was perfect. Great, like, Incredible. Bruce Lee muscle chest. Exactly but it, but right. it doesn't stick out at all. See, he knows. It's flat, but, the, but, the, but it's there. Right. Yeah. Look at yeah, the nipple yeah. game. Like I'm pumped. Those guys were on the keto diet before it was, uh, <laughs> it was taking the, over the nation. Keto spelled C O C A I N E. Yeah, but, but yeah. there's nothing worse than an ugly nipple. They didn't have that. They had great nipples. Day. Yeah, they did. Great he abs. Knows. Great, great, yeah. uh, great pecs. Boy, did they recover from the depths the, of their heroin well, dude, They were still on all the yayo, which yeah, is the reason why the nipple game is yeah. good. Um, two great records here. Uh, it's one of those things like once again when you listen to them through and kind of become reacquainted with them which one uh, which do you like best what's the favorite here who's the winner let's start with you Nick 
Um, it, it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, and it always is because yeah. you forget, right? Because because I went, I I had consistently every once in a while popped in permanent vacation. Uh, pump, not really. Um, the some of the deeper cuts on Pump really impressed me. It's much much better album. I liked it a lot more than I remember liking it. Yeah. Uh, all that said, I'm gonna go permanent vacation. It just, oh wow! Uh, yeah, I mean, and if you go by the numbers, I'm pretty sure I went with more choices off of that album. Mm-hmm. So it's just plus, you know, and there's sentimental value. My first, my first piece of rock music that I ever owned right here, this cassette. There's that I love as the well. fact that you pulled up this cassette because I had it too. And I remember I had I literally have not seen this picture of them in jail in 30 years yeah. like literally like that's so cool to see that because as soon as you as soon as I saw it I'm like I remember that picture man I don't remember the nipple game on pump but I remember them in jail <laughs> oh, I mean look at that come and, on I mean Whitford's even wearing a jail jumpsuit like he's super loaded barely showed up for the <laughs> for the photo shoot I heard his nipple game is unpredictable bad nipple game at best <laughs> he was always told wear a shirt exactly. inconsistent we don't know what that means and wear a shirt Whitford <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do know what that means. Chris, and the- wear a shirt. Um, uh, again, by the numbers and just overall preference, permanent vacation, it uh, it harkens more back to classic Aerosmith while keeping it modern. And then, you know, taking it as a whole, you can toss in the Beatles cover, which is great. It is great, yeah. Uh, the movie, I don't know what the it's, hell that it's, is. I don't know why they, I think they need, they probably signed a contract for 12 yeah, songs on the record. I don't know what, what that's by, by the way, we, and we didn't get to talk about it because it wasn't one, but I'm down. It's a great Beatles rocker where yeah, Paul, Paul sings like Little Richard by design. So Tyler's basically doing Little Richard, which mm-hmm. his voice is very similar. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. good. It's worth checking out and, uh, Definite, definite, great. T- it shouldn't have been a B-side. It should have been on the record, and it was. Yep. Um, I go back to what you guys said. It's a lot closer than I thought, but listening to it, I'm going with Permanent Vacation. I thought Permanent Vacation was a runaway winner, but Pump was a lot closer than I thought. But Permanent Vacation uh, wins like, well, I don't know, six to four, maybe. Is that what you had? Yeah, yeah. yeah so. It's close, but yeah. Well, and once again, the, the, as we always say, the classic album clash, both of these albums are, are great. Mm-hmm. They're, they're amazing. They're classic albums. That's why they're here. Yeah. Uh, to me, it was the opposite. If you would have sat me down and said, do you want to put on Permanent Vacation or Pump? I probably went Permanent because Dude Looks Like a Lady is such a monster. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite of all the songs on the record, but I find that they're dirtier, slimier, uh, and more riff-oriented on Pump. Um, it's a little bit smoother on on permanent vacation. Once again, I love it, but being coming reacquainted with with fine elevator. I don't know. I didn't pick monkey, but or I did pick monkey. But uh, other side, just just those ones alone. Mm-hmm. The riffs are dirty. The groove is there. If you go back and listen, I might have even chose more songs on permanent. But to me, pump is is the one that I would go to because of just it's a little dirtier and a little bit rougher. And I remember seeing that the band at that tour that was with Skid Row and it was really killer. So great records, great band and uh, great stuff, guys. I'm glad you're able to come back and be on our show. Yeah, thank you. And the crazy thing is, I'm like, oh, this has been pretty short, like four or five minutes. We've been doing this for 90 minutes already. <laughs> Jeez. It's Time crazy. flies. Great stuff. So um, uh, thanks to, uh, to all you guys, to Tyler Perry, if you're listening, uh, Analingus are us. Uh, uh, Laurel, 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 and Karen, uh, we miss you, babes, and um, we don't want double bass in our Aerosmith and no social issues. 
other than that uh go over to pot of thunder and you can hear plenty of uh episodes with me on them yeah, including ten. Ten. Or, uh, actually ten, yeah. soon to be 11 maybe, maybe. 12 who knows know. who knows we're gonna do one right now the number is increasing usually by this time we're so loaded well we're slash me but I'm not. I feel good. So we're oh, you're, you're going to fall off the ledge. That's fine. We actually have a balcony in this penthouse popper. Really? So don't let me fall off. <laughs> I don't right, think yeah. we do. But uh, great <laughs> stuff, guys. And uh, uh, support Aerosmith. And uh, we'll see you guys soon.